The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Well, as you heard at the uh, news headlines or at the top of the news there, the evidence that Jonathan Dowdle uh, gave in the special criminal court um, session today relating to the prosecution of uh, Jared the Monk Hutch for the murder of David Byrne. Um, yesterday, he had asserted that Jerry Hutch had said to him that he was responsible for that murder. Today, uh, the monk's barrister going very hard on trying to undermine the credibility of Jonathan Dowdle by getting him to accept that he had previously lied to the special criminal court. With, with us is Paul Williams, who is a crime journalist and, of course, author of The Monk, The Life and Crimes of Dublin's Most Enigmatic Gang Boss. The strategy fairly clear here on behalf of Brendan Gren as uh, SC there today, Paul. Um, he went about it how? He went straight for the juggler and the strategy is to basically discredit um, Jonathan Dowdall in every possible way he can. Uh, so that Jerry Hutch walks free from court, basically. Um, and that's what it is. And he actually saved no time at all, Answer because he opened, he sat up, he stood up in front of him, uh, and like he's Brendan Brown is very like well accomplished senior counsel, very very well known, well respected, and uh, very very clever um, barrister. And he said, "I just want to make it clear um, from the, from the moment from now." He said to him, uh, "My position is that you know you basically are a liar that you are you have been lying to the court." And there are two big lies. And the first big lie is that Jerry Hutch collected a room key for the uh, Regency Hotel uh, the night before the attack, which is a fundamental part of the state's case. And this is Patrick Hutch, uh, Patrick Dowdle, uh, the father of Jonathan Dowdle, uh, bought a uh, booked a room in the hotel, which was then used by Kevin Murray Flatcap, who was one of the assassination team and who was dead since. And that also, he's in the other big lie is that Jared Hutch confessed to being involved in uh, this uh, appalling crime. And then he said about, basically, he started the, the infamous waterboarding case where Jonathan Dowdle was convicted. Purely, as it was for just for your listeners, when Jonathan Dowdle was basically taped on the 7th of March, these are the famous tapes, um, himself and, and Hutch drove up to uh, the north to solicit the help from the real IRA, the new IRA, whatever IRA they were dealing with at the time, to intervene and to broker a peace deal with the Kinnans, that after that, they, they talked about three yokes. And these three yokes, um, he had, he accepted today, or he said today, Jonathan Dowdle, in his direct evidence, uh, that he was in question by the prosecution, was, was referenced to the three AK-47s that were used in the attack. Uh, but that when he came back from that trip, the, uh, the guns were subsequently seized uh, by the state and a member of the Real IRA was convicted of that. But then his house was searched and they found evidence that he and his father had, that he in particular had tortured this man who came, who he accused of being a, a con artist and he had come to his home uh, to buy a motorbike and he tortured him and part of the torture was waterboarding. And basically for much of this afternoon, um, Brenda Grehan tackled him about that and he actually said things like, where'd you learn how to torture somebody with by waterboarding, um, and he's basically going very much for the juggler in every way he can, and he is only starting. And I would say, uh, Anton, that we could be looking at Brendan Graham uh, cross-examining Jonathan Dowdle for several days to come, perhaps even into well into next week, the way things are going. And he is meticulously pulling it all apart. He even had a 
at times it was humorous. Um, there were chuckles from the uh, audience, I, I, for want of a better word, the crowd of people, a huge crowd of people in court, courts full. Like at one stage, they were followed by the police, and he talks about uh, you can see in the surveillance uh, footage of uh, Hutch and uh, D- D- Jonathan Dowd of House in Donegal, the home, I believe, of a, a member of the, one of the, the real IRA. Um, and he brings a bag from his car into this house and he asks him, what are we doing? And he actually said sort of differently, uh, what, what were you doing? Were you fixing the light or something? Because he was an electrician. And he said, actually, what he was. And he went in and there was this sort of titter um, went through the, the, the court because the coincidence, this guy's an electrician, he went in to fix somebody's plug and he said, you drove all the way from Dublin to Donegal, which Jerry had to fix the plug. Um, you, you know, you had stuff like this. And he's literally pulling apart at everything he has said, and that's why it would appear it, this is going to be forensic. It's going to be absolutely excruciating for Jonathan Dowdle. Jonathan Dowdle, at this part, looks very stressed. He's very red in the face. He, he doesn't look, he only looks at, at the judges. He's sitting in the, the seat normally reserved for the foreman of the jury. On the very other side of it, this morning we were alert this, that uh, Jerry Hodge wanted to be moved so that he could see. Uh, across the court, across straight across at Jonathan Dowd, his, his accuser. Now, as usual, Jerry Hunch was sitting there with his head on the fan, looking at him, quite inscrutably, staring at him. But there's no, you don't. He's not showing anybody what he's thinking. There is no hatred. There's no anger. He's just staring at him, um, looking at him, uh, listening to what he's saying. And Brenda Graham is basically starting to pull him apart. And it only started. The cross examination only started this afternoon. Uh, it's finished now. Well. Day and tomorrow it will be starting first thing. So you're going to see Jonathan Dowden in the box for several days. And as you look at Brendan Grehan and as you infer into his strategy, it's obviously one thing and it's a foundation thing to establish Jonathan Dowdle as a torturer, to establish him as a liar and he seems to be well on the road to achieving both of those things. But presumably then he must give some kind of, or he is likely to try in the cross-examination, to establish some motivation to lie in this instance. Well, to save his backside, basically, and he calls him a master manipulator and he said, did you have a difficult relationship with the truth? So, you know, he is, um, basically, he's showing that this guy is, it's it's the reason he's decided to to become a witness is to save his own backside, basically. That's what he's saying. Um, And, uh, you know, he has said as well, and he's making a good point of this, and he's trying to produce evidence to back this up. Uh, Basically, where there is no proof, he says, uh, you lie. Uh, where there is no proof, you will accept stuff only if there's proof. If there's no proof, then you'll, you'll fluff it. And one of the things as well, there was a bit of pushback from Dowder, which I found strange. He said he was ashamed of what he did to this poor man who he abducted and, and waterboarded. But still, when he got the, uh, the defensiveness in his approach or in his responses, that it wasn't all quite as simple. You know, he's, he, he does this thing where he's, he tries very hard to explain stuff to and goes to great lengths to explain stuff to Grant, but he is, he is basically trying to imply that, you know, well, I may have done something really terrible, but, you know, however, there might have been another reason for it. You know, uh, this kind of approach. There, there, were, there were mitigating factors that time that I waterboarded somebody. <laughs> that's effectively what uh, some of the things, he's not saying that as, as black and white as that, but that's what you're getting. You're getting this sort of defensiveness. Um, where he's explaining things uh, and he says, you know, he felt very sorry and ashamed of what he did. However, 
this man was stealing my identity this man uh, was wanted on uh, charges of uh, fraud at the time uh, as if like he was some great sort of equalizer that he was uh, trying to bring out, get, inflict justice and the bigger picture he says now you know that he if he knew if he knew uh, later if he knew at the beginning what he learned later about the Kenneth Hutch feud he's now putting the falls for the Kenneth Hutch feud in the firmly in the lap of the Hutch family uh, which, like, some of the facts do stand up to that, uh, that, that Gary Hutch organised and tried to get somebody to shoot um, uh, Daniel Kinahan, and that's why all of this uh, blew up. And as we heard yesterday, like, for example, he talked about how Patrick Hutch, uh, uh, Gary Hutch's brother, went over and was accused of shooting, um, uh, uh, trying to shoot Daniel Kinahan, but missed Daniel Kinahan and got an innocent boxer in at his home instead in Spain, that uh, Gary was held hostage, that Patrick Hutch then had Patrick Hutch Jr. then had to present himself for a punishment shooting, uh, whereby Daniel Kinahan came to John Condor and shot him in the legs. And actually, Brendan Graham started referring to some of that today. We'll hear a lot more about it uh, the next few days. But one of them was that you know Brendan uh, that Daniel Kinahan deliberately shot, uh, aimed for the bone in Patrick Hutch's leg, um, uh, rather than a flesh wound, uh, and he was he was quite seriously injured with that. But that the reason why he turned up to be shot was part of the deal to keep Gary alive and also there was money talked talk about 200,000 euro he says basically Jerry Hutch is a liar when we heard if you remember there's been a lot of in these famous tapes a few weeks ago they were talking about um, where there was six people and Hutch's you can hear Hutch talking on the tape saying I F and the, the six people don't F and know who the other F and six people are nobody knows who, who who's who he says he's lying he said he knew who it was he claimed that um, also that Jerry Hutch has told that him and a guy called Mago Gately were the two men who shot David Byrne who referred to that poor lad um, so there is a lot to come yet Anton and it's a lot it's going to be a very tough and dirty fight in, in what it's only when you begin to, to give us that pricey again in what is the most extraordinary web of circumstances surrounding this entire feud Paul undoubtedly you will be uh, kept busy on the hard shoulder in the next while giving us uh, updates thanks again for uh, yesterday and for today that's Paul Williams crime journalist and author of The Monk The Life and Crimes of Dublin's Most Enigmatic Gang Boss now The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk.